take your Bibles, go to Luke chapter 9. It is an honor to be here. <clears throat> I grew up in a family of preachers. My, my dad and mom had five boys. Four of them went into the ministry. Two of my brothers are missionaries in France. And uh, I have a brother that works with help ministries, working with national pastors worldwide. And uh, the Lord called me to be a pastor, then an evangelist. And God gave my mom and dad 16 grandchildren, and 10 of them are in full-time Christian service. And the other six are in church, and I thank the Lord for that. My dad took us boys aside one day and said, now, boys, I won't know how well I raised you until I find out how my grandkids turn out. That kind of was like a bam. We are responsible for the next generation. And it's vitally important that every one of us live our lives pleasing unto the Lord. In the book of Luke chapter 9, I want to draw your attention to verse 1. Then he called, this is the Lord Jesus, called his 12 disciples together and he gave them power. And he gave them authority over all devils and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Can you imagine being called by the Lord Jesus to do what he has empowered them to do? Notice it again. He gave them power and authority over devils to cure diseases, to preach the kingdom of God, and to heal the sick. And he said unto them, Take nothing for your journey, neither staves nor script, neither bread nor money, neither have two coats apiece. And whatsoever house ye enter into, there abide and thence depart. And whosoever will not receive you when ye go out of that city... Shake off the very dust from your feet for a testimony against them. And they departed and they went through town, the towns, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. What an honor to be called into the ministry. Um, I've experienced 43 years in the ministry and, and I have no, no accusation against God. He has never failed me. I had a young father come up to me at a meeting recently. He said, I don't want my child to, children to be in the ministry. He said, there's no money in it. And uh, I said, well, let me ask you a question. Would it be better for your child to work for an ungodly employer or to work for God? He just didn't have anything to say. He just looked at me and walked away. God is, is, owes no man anything. He'll supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It doesn't mean we're going to have it made in the shade and everything we want. That would spoil us and would ruin us. He did say if we'll delight ourselves in the Lord, he'll give us the desires of our heart. With that in mind, I want to 
take a look at the disciples, and I want you to write some things down. I have at least six statements I want you to write down that I don't want you to ever forget because it all pertains to the spirit that is in you. Now, we know there are negative spirits in the Bible, don't we? The Bible talks about pride. Pride cometh before destruction, a haughty spirit before the what? Before the fall. There's what is referred to in the Bible as the spirit of man, the spirit of antichrist. The Bible says in 1 John 4, 3, Every spirit that confesseth not that Jesus Christ is come in the flesh is not of God. And this is the spirit of what? Antichrist. People get the spirit of Antichrist. They get the spirit of bondage. The Bible says, Ye have not received the spirit of bondage again unto fear, but ye have received the spirit of adoption. There's also the spirit of divination. The damsel possessed with the spirit of divination. And then, of course, there's the spirit of disobedience. Ephesians chapter 2. The spirit that worketh in the children of what? Have you ever felt like being disobedient? So you know what that spirit's like, don't you? But I want to talk to you about the spirit of the disciples as they are thrust into ministry with the power and the authority that only God can give. It's one thing for you to work in the energy of your flesh. And far too many do that. And it shows up. Many are defeated. I heard of a preacher... Uh, I was preaching for him, on, and I, I drove in on a Saturday night, and I wanted, I'm just talking about the right spirit. He met me in his office. He said, now, Brother Knickerbocker, he said, I appreciate your coming. He said, but I really deserve a better church than this. These people really don't appreciate me. And I thought to myself, boy, do I have my work cut out for me this week. At the, every night, tears were running down his face. I mean, God was really dealing with him. Have you ever had God really deal with you? And you were receptive enough to accept it? As I got ready to leave, he said, Brother Knickerbocker, he said, I can't believe that these people would put up with me. Notice his spirit changed. Let's take a look in the scriptures. Let's take a look at the disciples and see how they did. In chapter, 12, uh, chapter 9 of Luke, go with me there to verse 12. And when the day began to wear away, they came, then came the twelve, and said unto him, Send the multitude away, that they may go into the town and country round about and lodge and get vigils. For we are here in a desert place. Now, I want you to write down an inconsiderate spirit. The first spirit that we find in the disciples is that they were inconsiderate of the thousands of people that were there that Jesus was preaching to. Did you notice how they ordered the Lord around? Now, you've never ordered the Lord around. I have never, ever told the Lord that I've got some conditions by which I will serve. Well, they told the Lord Jesus, just send the multitude away. We're in a desert place. 
You know, the Lord Jesus is so long-suffering. Look what he says to the disciples when they revealed an inconsiderate spirit. He said, give them to eat. Why don't you go ahead and feed them? <laughs> well, they, they, I thought they had power. Had they lost their power? Notice what they say. We have no more but five loaves and two fishes, except we should go and buy meat for all this people, for they were about 5,000 men. And he said unto his disciples, Make them sit down by fifties in the company. And they did so and made them all sit down. Then he took the five loaves and the two fishes and looked up to heaven. He blessed them and brake and gave to the disciples to set before the multitude and they did eat and were all filled and there were taken up of fragments that remained to them 12 baskets. Isn't the Lord something? Not only did he take care of the 5,000, he gave all of them a big basket of bread to carry. When you have an inconsiderate spirit, you lose opportunity to be used of God. Oh, we're just looking for the the people that are really going to make a difference and make our ministry really great. No, why don't we go after the down and outer? Why don't we go after the old drunk? Why don't we go after the people that are lost in darkness, that may smell, that may not uh, be interesting to work with, and oh, they'll never amount to anything. Let me tell you something. Anything God touches amounts to a lot. And the fact that he's even using you is a tremendous blessing to think that God could use us. God loves us. And he loved that multitude and he loved his disciples and he taught them a lesson on being considerate, not inconsiderate. I want you to notice the second spirit that disciples had. Look with me in verse 28 of the same chapter. And it came to pass about... And eight days after these sayings, he took Peter and James and John and, and uh, went up into a mountain to pray. And as he prayed, the fashion of his countenance was altered. Notice, and his raiment was white and glistening. Now that would have been something to see, wouldn't it? And behold, there talked with him two men, which were Moses and Elias, who appeared in glory and spake of his descent. Decease, which he should accomplish at Jerusalem. But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awakened, they saw his glory and the two men that were stood with him. And it came to pass as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Wow. I call this the indifferent spirit. An indifferent spirit. They fell asleep. Can you imagine being around Jesus and he's up there on the mount and they're, they're uh, having a time together there and the Bible tells us that he is white and glistening and uh, Moses and Elias show up. Can you imagine being there for that? I mean, can you imagine missing that? An indifferent spirit means that you... Become lazy and inconsiderate of who you're with and what you're supposed to be doing. And they slumbered. Many Christians are sound asleep. They say if the church of Jesus Christ ever wakes up, we'll have a national revival. 
I believe it could happen. I would never, ever say that God couldn't send a revival to America because that would be limiting the unlimited God. We must come to the reality that sometimes we become indifferent and they fell asleep and when they were awakened, look what they were missing. The glory of God. Have you ever seen the glory of God? Have you ever experienced the glory of God? Or is this just religious routine? God's a miracle-working God. And uh, years ago, uh, we had a split in our church, and, and I was bitter about it, and, and God rebuked me, and my father rebuked me. <laughs> my wife was so gracious. But the Lord said to me, Daniel, you're nothing but a prayerless and powerless preacher. That's all you are. You know, it's one thing to think you are, but when God tells you you are, you better repent. And I did. The Lord helped me put a prayer journal together where I keep records of answers to prayer. You put the prayer request down on one side and then you wait for the answer on the other side. God has proven himself over and over again. And I've discovered something that when I become indifferent, I neglect spiritual things. You get indifferent and you'll neglect the most important thing. I heard of a preacher recently telling his staff, when he hired staff, he said, now every day from 10 o'clock till noon, I want you to bury yourself in your office and worship God. Don't ever neglect two hours every day alone with God because you can't minister without his power. You just take up space. You just get in the way. Don't we need to get rid of our indifference? We need to wake up. We need to be spiritually alert of what God wants to do in our lives. Then notice with me, there in verse 30, 32, it says, But Peter and they that were with him were heavy with sleep. And when they were awakened, they saw his glory and the two men that stood with him. Now notice, and it came to pass, as they departed with him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Oh, he woke up. It's good for us to be here. And let us make three tabernacles. One for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. Would you underline the little phrase, not knowing what he said? We call this an impatient spirit. An impatient spirit. Have you ever spoken and then wish you could grab those words and pull them back? Have you ever revealed your impatience as a believer? Instead of waiting upon God and thinking it through and then making a decision, he just blurted out, we need three tabernacles. Now, I don't know whether when you come to the place where you're impatient, God speaks to you, but... This is one of the rare cases in the Bible where God Almighty, not Jesus, God Almighty speaks. Have you ever gotten God's attention? Watch this. Verse 34. While he thus spake, there came a cloud and overshadowed them, and they feared as they entered into the cloud. And there came a voice out of the cloud saying, This is my beloved Son, 
Hear him. God does not share his glory with anybody. Amen. If you're trying to get the glory, God's not. And that's something. My wife and I have been in the ministry for 43 years, and, and we were traveling uh, a few weeks ago, and I said, you know, Ian, we can't even take any credit for anything we've accomplished <laughs> because we didn't accomplish it. God did. That's humbling. You can't even, look what I did. Look what I accomplished. Look who I am. You're nothing. We're nothing apart from the power of Almighty God. And that's what's so exciting about the ministry because we get to see God work, answer prayer, change lives, give us strength in our preaching, give us strength in our service to the Lord. However God's called you, He doesn't want you to be impatient. He wants you to, to meditate and make the right decisions and say the right things and do the right things. And God Almighty is telling Him, I only want Jesus to be worshipped. We're not going to worship Moses and Elias. They have feet of clay. But I want you to worship the Lord Jesus and Him only are we to serve. Amen? Don't get impatient. Don't think that you know what's best. We often say things we don't mean, do things we ought not to do. And God has a unique way by His Spirit of reminding us how frail we are in the flesh, but how powerful we can be in the Spirit. Oh, we must long for the filling of God's power in our life. We must ask God to get rid of those things in our lives that are idols, those little G-gods in our life, and let Him be the only one that is reigning. I think we need to be careful about lifting men up for fear that we put God down. If it wasn't for God's grace and mercy, I wouldn't be here, I can tell you. My brothers and I were, this is after we were married and in ministry, and <laughs> we had a Christmas get-together of the families. Tim was there and his family and Tom and I. And so we, we were good husbands. We decided to do the dishes, amen. And so we're, we're in the kitchen, and and Tim goes, you know, where would we be had it not been for the Lord? And I looked at Tim and I said, well, you play the trumpet. You'd have been in a jazz band. <laughs> and then Tim looked at Tom and said, Tom, you'd have been in a rock group because you play the guitar, you know. And they both looked at me and they said, jail, Dan. That's where, you, that's where you would have been had it not been for the Lord getting a hold of me. I'll tell you, I remember when I was in Springfield, Missouri at a, what I thought was a youth conference. It turned out to be a preacher's meeting, and I had to sit through 16 sermons, okay? That is rough. And on the 15th sermon, it tells you how long it took for God to get my attention. On the 15th sermon, the Lord said, you've come to a Y in the road of your life. If you make a left-hand turn, you'll be a New York State police officer, and you'll be miserable. He said, if you make the right-hand turn, you'll be a preacher and you'll be happy. See, all I ever wanted to do was drive fast, carry a gun, and pull people over. 
all my childhood. That was it. That's what I wanted to be. And you know what happened? A miracle took place. The miracle that God even talked to me was pretty neat. Do you remember God's calling on you to get you where you are right now? Amen. It's exciting. And then to see what God is going to do through you is thrilling. Uh, faithful is he that calleth you who also will what? Not you. He'll do it. And what a thrill it is uh, to get rid of an impatient spirit and trust God and say, Lord, use me. I thought I knew what I wanted, but you want greater for me than I wanted for myself. And uh, we need to think things through, don't we? Number four, I want you to notice we see an impotent spirit in verse 37. Look with me there in verse 37. It came to pass that on the next day when they were come down from the hill, much people met them. And behold, a man of the company cried out, saying, Master, I beseech thee, look upon my son, for he is mine own only child. And lo, a spirit taketh him away, and he suddenly crieth out, and it teareth him that he foameth again, and bruiseth him, hardly departing from him. And I besought thy disciples to cast him out. Notice, underline the words, and they could not. I thought in verse 1 they were given power to do that very thing. Remember that? How they lose their power? Jesus tells us how they lost their power. I want you to write down an impotent spirit. That's what they had. They had a powerless spirit. And Jesus answering said, Oh, faithless and perverse generation, how long shall I be with you and suffer you? Bring thy son hither. And he healed him. Notice what he said about the disciples. They were faithless and they were a perverse generation. How could a person that has the power and authority of God upon their life lose it? Because you think too highly of yourself more than you think of God. I believe that those disciples had cried out to God and saying, oh God, we need your power. We can't do this on our own. We're helplessly unable to do this without your power. How many of you believe God would have given him his power? I don't doubt it. All you have to do is have one sin in your life that you're coddling and hugging and hanging on to. God can say, you're done for the moment. And as soon as you confess that and forsake it, I'll restore unto you my power. I know what it's like to have an impotent spirit. I know what it's like to get up and preach and wish there was a button there that I could push that would open up a trap door and put me in the parking lot. I know what that's like. And it's a terrible feeling. And what a disgrace it is to God when I should be preaching in His power, not in my own strength. We need to get rid of an impotent spirit, don't we? Then I want you to notice verse 46. I want to give you the fifth spirit. Look at verse 46. Now this may shock you a little bit. Then there arose a reasoning among them, that is the disciples, which of them should be the greatest? <laughs> I wonder if I'm going to be greater than you. You think he'll be greater than us? Which one of us is really, really, boy, we've really impressed the Lord. None of us. After God 
rebuked them. They wanted to know which one of them was going to be the greatest. That's a dangerous place to be. Don't think too highly of yourself. Don't think highly of yourself at all. Say, I'm nothing but a sinner saved by God's grace. I've discovered something. Some of the kids in the college that I went to that I thought were duds became some of the greatest preachers. A pastor that contacts me, texts me every Saturday night, encouraging me. He came to Bible college. I was pastoring the second semester of my first year of Bible college, so he became a member of my church. But he was a goofball, okay? You know who you are. And so the boys, the boys gathered him and they picked him up and they opened up the laundry chute that was, that was four stories and they threw him down it. And here he is scraping the sides trying to keep from killing himself and he finally hits the bottom and when he hit the bottom, the dean of students was standing there looking at him. Well, needless to say, because of that and his grades, they kicked him out. And so the dean of students said, you are a total failure, and you will never amount to anything. Pack up your stuff and get out of here. <laughs> Later he told me, Pastor Dan, that was the greatest thing he could have ever said to me because I'm going to prove him wrong. And he's been pastoring for over 40 years. You know what happens? When you realize you're nothing, then you start to discover how great our God is. It's not about us. It's not about our greatness. It's not about an inflated spirit. It's about lifting up the Lord Jesus Christ. Number six, the last one, is found in verse 45, 54. Turn with me to verse 54. And when the, his disciples, James and John, saw this, they said, Lord, wilt thou that we command fire to come down from heaven and consume them even as Elias did? I sure would like to be able to relate to Elias. I sure would like to zap somebody. Could I call down fire from heaven on this dude? Huh? Come on, Lord, let me do it. I call this an intolerant spirit. An intolerant spirit. Listen to what Jesus says to the disciples there. Look at verse 55. But he turned and he rebuked them and said, Ye know not what manner of spirit ye are of. You haven't even figured out where you're at. You've got the wrong spirit. Now, I hate to say this, but every six Every six of those spirits I gave you are all bad spirits. Bad spirits within the leadership. God's 12 chosen disciples failed. How can, how can we do God's work as failures? We can't. But Peter who was probably one of the most challenged disciples, preached on Pentecost. How about that? Amen. It was Peter that went to the Gentiles, Cornelius of the Italian band. You know the Italian food in heaven, amen? Yeah. Huh? 
I'm just simply saying to you that God, when he brings you to the end of yourself, then he can use you. And I, I, I really would like to see God use all of you. Something I've done in my meetings that has been challenging, I will say to, it started years ago when I was preaching in a small chapel for children in a Christian school. I asked them to write on a piece of paper where they would be in 10 years. These were high school kids. Where will you be in 10 years? I had them sign their name, put what they were going to be in 10 years, and their phone number. Now, I said, I really, I really wouldn't mind being a detective. I'm going to hunt you down in 10 years. And so I put all their names in an envelope and, and then put down 10 years from then, and I put it in my file, and on the 10th year, I pulled that note, that envelope out and I pulled out those names and I started calling these kids that were now adults and I thought I want to call Amy. Amy's probably going to be the greatest of all the Christians because she was just a sweet loving Christian and um, I called her. She said hello brother Knickerbocker, Pastor Knickerbocker. I said you know that she said I've been waiting your call. I said, oh, that's great. What? She says, do you want me to tell you what I wrote on that piece of paper? I'm going, wow. She said, I, was, I told you that I was going to be a missionary. She said, I got pregnant by a guy. He won't marry me. I have three children with him now, and I haven't been in church for years, and I'm miserable. She wasn't expecting it to turn out that way. I called... Another girl named Heidi. I said, Heidi, do you want me to read to you what you wrote down on your, on your piece of paper? She said, yes, that you're going to be a nurse and that you're going to be serving the Lord. I said, are you? She said, I am. I'm married. We have a couple children. We're active in our church and I'm a nurse. How did that happen? Well, Amy made one wrong decision. Not 25, just one wrong decision. Heidi made one right decision. And the very same thing that I just mentioned about them, as I look over this crowd, I wonder if you're going to make the right decisions. Let's bow together, may we? While heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I don't want you to have any of these spirits. I don't want you to have any of these spirits. As the pianist softly plays, let's stand together. You know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to research your life for just a moment. Those six things I mentioned, are you guilty of any one of them? Any one of them? Or maybe a spirit that I didn't talk about. Would you make your way to this altar and say, oh God, seems like it's so easy to get away from you sometimes and there's nobody perfect here usually the ones that are closest to the Lord hit the altar first how about it would you be willing to say Lord I want you to change my spirit for your glory and your honor I don't want to make the wrong decision I don't want to marry the wrong person I don't want to go the wrong way I don't want to break my preacher's heart or my mom or dad's heart or, 
or, pre or break my own heart. I don't want to live with a broken heart because I made some wrong decisions. Oh, may God help us. May God have His way.